Hey Tim, Jason here, catching up on your podcast. I, I stopped right before your unboxing in your latest podcast, the Noble Knight one, because I wanted to comment on the maps. And and KFC, yeah, you know, I I find I, I just like Popeyes and Bojangles better than KFC. I don't know. Um, as far as maps go, mine would definitely be the Hobbit, the Middle Earth map in Lord of the Rings. I've got another book. It's a landscape book, so don't tell John Allen Large or, or I guess don't tell Ivy I'm keeping a book either. But I, I've had that book since you know since I was a kid, since I was introduced to Tolkien. And it's a and it's a book of it's like Frodo's journeys or something like that or Frodo's travels. But it's basically it's a map of all the individual you know travels in Middle Earth and all their their different journeys and it's kind of it's kind of neat. I'll, I'll get some pictures up so you can see it. It's a pretty neat map. I'll get you the right name too. And then as far as dungeon maps goes, well, you know, Menser Basic was my first D&D. I think I might have the Monster Manual. The, you know, first edition Monster Manual. Then I think I got the Red Box. And then I would have got the DMG. But, yeah, Menser Red Box and DMG would definitely be the first dungeon maps I've, I saw. So they would definitely be the most influential dungeon maps. Okay. Oh, the other map that would be super influential. I don't remember. I've got my second edition box of um, Gamma World. I haven't looked at it for probably 20 years. Is there a post-apocalyptic like America map? And I've got, there's a post-apocalyptic America map burning my brain. I don't know if that's from Gamma World or it's just the one out of the Commandy, Last Boy on Earth comics by Jack Kirby. It might just be the Commandy map that I've got burned in my psyche. But that kind of post-apocalyptic map of America has is, is always been super inspirational, too. So I said 20 years for looking at the Gamma World box set. <laughs> More like over 30 years. Wow, I'm old. Um, a, a, new, a newer post-apocalyptic map that's pretty cool is the one that Ken Height has in Day After Ragnarok. That, that's a pretty fun map. So as far as the unboxing stuff, great stuff. Ars Magic has always been a neat setting. I've never played in that setting or, or owned it, but yeah, it's always something interesting to the, the idea of building a world around what they thought, how the, they thought the world would work, is a pretty cool concept. So, anyhow, keep up the great work. Talk to you soon. Hey everybody, this is Tim Shorts of Gothridge Manor doing a drive home podcast, and that was Jason Connerly of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast uh, with a triple header. Triple Jackson. I don't know. I, I don't know. Does anybody call them Jacksons anymore? Well, I do. But thanks for calling in, Jason. Inspirational maps are always cool, always fun. I, 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 I just rearranged my office, which is what I was going to talk about today. And one of the things I'm planning to do is kind of I've got just stacks and stacks of old maps uh, from. The old TSR stuff, the old uh, uh, Forgotten Realms and and uh, Greyhawk, the Darlene maps, and I just got to figure out what I'm going to put on my walls and how I'm going to arrange them. And I kind of want to – haven't done that in a while. I used to do that all the time, but uh, over the past few years, I've kind of opted more for artwork and uh, – I think I'm going to swing back to maps now. I got some nice big open swaths of area on uh, the wall that deserve some beautiful maps up there. 
And I mean, I found my own maps up there, but I'm tired of looking at my own maps. <laughs> they're in, they're tucked away somewhere. I, I want some other people's maps up there and uh, see what it looks like. And uh, I got a few more other phone calls. Let's see who else we got. Tim, it's Evil Jeff. Just got finished with your episode about having you as a GM. And at the end, you're talking about the 5E stuff. I agree with you. I think starting with third edition, the fact that you have all these roles and you could get somebody to roll for this and that, it made the GMs pull back what they had to say. Kind of let them abbreviate it. You know, oh, I'm not going to spend all this time describing the room. We'll just let them roll to see if they notice these elements. Whereas, you know, back in first edition or before, you described a huge amount of the room and then they would roll to see if they noticed anything else special. So I think that's just the nature of the beast with those roles. And maybe that's what happened when we started adding skills in in second edition. All right, later. Evil Jeff from Minions and Musings. Thank you for calling in, man. It's been a while. Good to hear from you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, it's just one of those things where I, I don't think a while, like when they created the, these roles for like perception, because that seems to be one of the ones that gets kind of misused the most is I don't think it, they expected it to evolve into what it became, which, which is almost like a substitute for describing things but it kind of did and now I know when I've been playing with newer players it's, it's so funny I've been kind of talking to these they, <laughs> I mean they're in their 20s but I gave them a book from I gave them the GURPS Viking book because the, the girl wanted to the lady, I should not call her girl the lady uh, wanted to uh, do a Nordic type theme campaign and I'm like yeah I got an extra GURPS uh, Viking book I said it's you know amazing resource and so I gave it to her and her and her partner just it was they were just thought it was so cool because it was just so old school and I was just cracking up you know because I think it came out in 91 or something like that and I was like yeah you youngsters are so cute yes <laughs> But, uh, yeah, because I, I talked to them, and they're they mainly a Pathfinder uh, 2.0 group. So they're they're not even playing the original Pathfinder. But we were kind of going through some dungeon design stuff, and I was kind of talking to her and her, her partner about some of the differences between it. And they've never really played in an old-school-style game. Uh, they're... they're their history is uh, is basically Pathfinder, first edition Pathfinder, second edition, and I think some Five E sprinkled in there. So, you know, the, not a lot of exposure to it or any of it to speak of. And so I was, I was kind of giving the philosophical differences between them, or like some examples, kind of like what Matt Fitch did with the uh, old school Primer. And it was, it was kind of interesting to see their expressions or, or their, like what kind of questions they had about, um, 
what I was doing and why I was doing it. Now, and I, you know, so we kind of just, we went through a random encounter, so to speak, or just like, we just, there was a room. And so I had them do their version of it. So, okay, give me a room, like the last room that you did or described to your party or whatever. And then I'll go through and show you how, like, I would do it playing old school essentials and while they're you know going to be similar in a lot of ways there's going to be some key differences and it was kind of interesting to see like a little these little light bulbs kind of turn on and i explained you know what what the changes were and why those changes were there and that's how it originally was they 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 love i mean i i think they're going to start integrating that kind of philosophy into their game because they did like that idea, and it's just, it's just they just never occurred to them because that's the way they always played it. That you know, this one way, and there, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. But I think they want to get into a little bit more in depth of a game where uh, they're using some of those tools from an old old style, old school style kind of game, and, and and put it in their own game. So we'll see. I mean, that's all you do. Again, kind of just because you know, I'm, I'm, you know, just watching them and listening to them. It's very interesting to see their perspective, and and I can understand where they're coming from, and uh, the the gaming philosophies that they follow. So yeah, we got to teach each other, and uh, that's what you know. To me, that's what I like, and that's what it's all about. Hey Tim, it's Che, Roleplay Rescue. Thanks very much for your piece on Random Tables. I always enjoy listening to your creative stuff. Um, for me, I've, I mean, I've taken a lot of what you talked about on board from previous episodes way back. But um, one of the things I started to do is randomise not only the kind of creatures, um, and sometimes, by the way, I like to mix up that. I like to have like... Um, it's sort of the the ampersand rude, really, sort of, you know, goblins and something, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the second thing is I randomise the actual situation so that um, I can reuse the, the monster types and then just have a different kind of situation. So that kind of means maybe a two or three column table where you've got, like, what it is, what's the situation, uh, and maybe even um, kind of what makes it interesting or a treasure or something else as well. So... That's kind of the way I tend to do it these days. But uh, yeah, thanks for your stuff. It's really great to hear from you, and I hope you're well. Game on. Jay from Roleplay Rescue, thanks for calling in, but I do appreciate that. It's interesting that you said use that, you know, that specifically because that's something that I am doing for the uh, the city campaign that I'm running into. Uh, I I being able to reuse the table over and over again and getting the same results in different situations or combining results, which I love doing too, really brings a fresh and new perspective to a encounter table. So you don't have to kind of keep uh, reinventing it. it. It kind of gives these little seeds of uh, creation in your head, which are a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's I, I was surprised. It's funny. I, I never used use the that kind of uh, random table before where like the situations were rambled or combining them it just never occurred to me before and uh, when I started doing that I was surprised at how much my brain would grab onto those things and and combine them and the new stuff that I came up with so 
that was that was very cool. I, I and I appreciate the calling in and and giving and and giving the advice on that because I think it's I think that's solid and really good advice about you know being able to have that maybe sub table or an addition table of situations and it can just be simple things. It could just be like fight or uh, a bartering, you know, it could just be a one word thing about a situation going on and you could roll run or twice and just, and just combine them and see whatever works best for you. And, uh, uh, I know just a little bit, I I've created adventures actually based on my random tables because it's like, Oh, this is pretty good. So instead of just having just a simple, uh, random encounter, it's become maybe a chunk of the adventure itself. So, Jay, thank you, my man, for calling again. I appreciate it. And uh, um, I know uh, any season's coming up, and I hope you hope you get in there again, and all the best of luck with that. So thanks, Jay. Hey, Tim, Jason here. Just want to say, yeah, that Iron Rations episode was great. I've pushed it on my podcast and over on the Audio Dungeon Discord to try to get people to listen to it. I, I, I think it's just a wonderful discussion on, on a lot of things. And I, I think... Uh, another thing that's kind of cool, Evil Jeff over at Minions and Musings had a talk with Ray Otis where they talked about Appendix N and then the version of Appendix N that's in BX, which is different, like expanded. And then they talked about 5e. And one of the differences is in 5e, there is, which goes to what Eric and Joe were talking about, in 5e there are a lot of books in there that are things like improv books and how to write a story books and how to act books and things like that, which get go more towards a critical role mentality than the had a DM back in the day mentality. You know, instead of giving you inspiration, they're giving you, you know, tools how to run an actual play. You know, so it shows the mindset of the company. Yeah, more good advice from Jason again. The good Jason. Um, and uh, that what I was doing in the past is kind of what Jason would do. Like, say I made up a 2D6 um, random encounter table, and towards the ends of them, the, you know, 2, 3, and the 11 and 12, I'd have more, like, unique type encounters. So once those occurred, I would put those to the side, and then I'd always write, like, maybe a couple, two, three more to throw in there, just in case I accidentally rolled like two 11s in a row or something like that. So I'd have a, uh, you know, a different random encounter for them. Uh, and that. So, yep. Always good to have those in your pocket. And I, I can't say this enough. If you, if, if you put that kind of effort into your in tables ahead of time, the nice thing is, is sometimes you don't like your prep is kind of going to take care of itself in a lot of ways, as in, you know, coming up with a scenario, sometimes those random encounters, like I was saying before, if you have some sort of juxtaposition with, with them, they create a whole adventure on their own. And, you know, your, your, your prep time is minimized because the content and the, you know, seed of the adventure is already there for you. So, yeah. I want to thank everybody for calling in. So cool, so cool. Appreciate it. I'm sorry it's taking me so long. I've got like a plethora of BJ call-ins that are over a month old that I need to get to. And he has been, uh, was very generous with his time in calling in. And uh, I'll, I'll get to those in a, probably my next show, I'm hoping. 
But uh, to end out this show, just wanted to let you know, got my office reorganized. Oh, my God, it looks so nice, guys. It's going to be uh, definitely probably increase my productivity. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm open. It's just one of those things that usually change my rooms around a little bit every six months, maybe every year. This has been like two, probably a little bit over two years since I've changed it. And sometimes just changing the room around just kind of frees up the creative vibe and, you know, shakes the dust off of things and you kind of rediscover books or items that you had forgotten about because they just kind of get, you know, pushed behind other, the newer stuff that you get. Or, and it's, it's just kind of nice to kind of go through. And then, then you can kind of see what you use, what you don't use and make room for... You know, some, some new new gaming books. Because there's always got to be new gaming books coming in. Yeah. So, I'm still waiting on my stupid Lulu shipment. I don't know. It must be doing a tour of all the back hick road postal places. Because it, it keeps bouncing around these hillbilly towns. And it's not coming to my hillbilly town. So, I don't know what the hell's going on there. Usually, it's here pretty quick. But this time, it's just bouncing around. I don't know what the, what's going on. I want to get those because, uh, you know, Chuck Thorne, I ordered a book from Chuck Thorne that he he wrote that I'm really interested in seeing what Chuck did. And then there's, a, like, like I said, there's a whole little bit of a handful of uh, under $10 OSR adventures that I kind of want to just kind of read through and do all that fun stuff and let you guys know about it. Maybe get you, maybe encourage some, some of you guys to, to uh, bloat your shelves and whatnot so all right guys that's it for me i am home i hope i want to thank everybody for listening everybody for calling in so cool so cool so uh take care real better than me and we'll talk soon